imagine, if you will, cutting your hair without a mirror. Odds are, when you leave the house, there'll be a lot of people averting their eyes for fear of hurting your feelings and other folks who just laugh right to your face. You know, all too often, I've seen this kind of thing happen with small business owners. They launch their business and figure they'll save a few bucks by buying a stock art logo, creating a brand story that at best doesn't resonate, or at worst, confuses or turns off the audience they want to connect with most. In 2006, I founded Left Brain Right Brain Marketing to serve smaller businesses and sole proprietors, helping them to develop a message that hits the target, engages their desired audience, and delivers a memorable brand. I work with clients providing web design, copywriting, graphic design, and podcast development and production services that transform clients from all those averted eyes to dishing up a powerful, aha, engaging brand that captures hearts and minds. So, ready to be empowered to deliver a killer brand and set yourself apart from the competition? Put the scissors down. Give me a call at 503-961-3647. Again, that's 503-961-3647, or check out Left Brain Right Brain Marketing online at lbrbm.com. When I launched Left Brain Right Brain Marketing way back in 2006, one of the first things I did was to join the Beaverton Area Chamber of Commerce. Why? Well, I knew it would be the quickest way to jumpstart my new business. See, the Chamber offers tons of networking events where you'll get exposure and make solid business connections with partners and clients. The Chamber's all about that kind of collaboration, and not just in Beaverton, but the surrounding area as well. They're also advocates for local business to the local, state, and federal governments. Through the Chamber, I've learned about new businesses through ribbon cuttings and other events like pub crawls, after-hour events, golf tournaments, and luncheons. And the Chamber helps me stay sharp with all of their educational offerings. The Beaverton Chamber is also a great resource for folks who need to find goods or services and other information about the community. They're the village that raises the kids, to use a metaphor, but it's a pretty spot-on one. My business has grown year over year because of my association with them, and when the pandemic hit, they were right there with advice and access to relief programs to help us through the rough patch. And my Chamber Chamber membership is a badge of approval for people seeking my services. It tells them that left brain, right brain is the real deal. So whether you've just started a business or been in business for years but haven't yet, run, don't walk to the Beaverton area Chamber of Commerce and become a member today. You can find them online at beaverton.org or call them at 503-644-0123. That's 503-644-0123 or stop by their offices at 12600 Southwest Crescent Street right across from the Reeser Center for the Arts in downtown Beaverton and tell them Drew Zagorski at Left Brain Right Brain Marketing sent you. This is Drew Zagorski. You're listening to Meet Me in Beaverton, a podcast about the people and places you should know in Beaverton, Oregon and the surrounding area. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and follow wherever you listen to podcasts or at meetmeinbeaverton.com and share with your family, friends and everyone else you know. Now, since this is the first episode, I want to give a little bit about the concept of the podcast. The cast is a production of Left Brain, Right Brain Marketing and produced in collaboration with the Beaverton Area Chamber of Commerce. And in each episode, we'll be interviewing people in the Beaverton community who own businesses and do business with you, their neighbors. Sure, we'll talk about whatever that business is, but only just a bit. Mostly, this is about introducing you to your Beaverton neighbors, hear their stories, learn about who they are, where they came from. And maybe we'll have a laugh or two or learn something along the way. And then, yeah, we'll also get into a little bit about what they do and how they can help you. The goal here is to encourage you to buy local and more than that, to know who it is you're dealing with when you walk into that shop or make that call for service. Meet Me in Beaverton is about helping you build connections to the community. Because when that happens, all those digital walls and silos we hear so much about, 
they all come tumbling down. So there you go. In this first episode, I'm talking with a really interesting dude. Joe Toretta grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. And as a kid, Joe was one of the smaller kids in the group. And he was also a little bit round, which put him in the crosshairs of bullies. But he fought through, literally and figuratively. While he was always into sports, because of physical issues, he had something called leg perthies. We'll get into that later. He couldn't play. So what's he do? He sings his way to a state championship, dons the crown at the homecoming, and then ended up running the show at the carnival, so to speak. I know, right? Early on, he dreamed of being the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball club, and then was told to go into fashion. Well, he chases that dream, and ends up being sucked in by blue jeans and a burping lady along the way, to ultimately land in a Beaverton hot tub joint. Again, I know, right? So Joe, thanks for joining us today. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Drew. Joe, I, I want to kind of begin at the beginning. So why don't you tell us where you grew up and about your family life as a kid? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, Parkway South High School in the middle of the country. Um, grew up with my mom, dad, and brother. Uh, really great family, tight-knit group. Okay. And then uh, also had our extended family, which is pretty large. You know, over 100 people on my dad's side to wow. date at this point. Sounds like my family. Yeah. So those family outings were pretty huge, pretty massive, buffet style, which right. is amazing. Really tight-knit group. Right. Um, on my mom's side, not as big, five, ten people on that side. But uh, definitely some really great family roots that were built out of the St. Louis area. Right. I know our family Christmas parties, we had to rent a hall. Yeah. Uh, that's where it is now. We we rent out different catering facilities right. for them. We actually almost had a Christmas recently, which I wasn't able to be at. Uh, it actually got canceled due to COVID, of course. Everything okay. canceled due to COVID. But uh, we actually had rented out a water park uh, because we wow. had so many new grandchildren that had been. Like, like how up. many is so many? Oh, man. I don't even know the count at this point. A few hundred? Um, well, no, the, uh, the projection was going to be about 115 okay. ish, somewhere in that range, gotcha. but yeah, I had rented out a, uh, water care park or a water park facility indoors, uh, for a Christmas outing. That and it, it was just a different idea to go yeah. with, but unfortunately different circumstances yeah. came up with that. So in your family, you're the older brother or the younger brother? I'm the younger brother. I have an okay. older brother. He still lives in St. Louis, married, has two kids. So I have a niece and a nephew that are in the St. Louis market. Okay. And what's... The ethnic mix of your, your yeah. Family. So my my dad's side is the big Sicilian family, Italian Sicilian, somewhere in that mix. Forget about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so hence, all of our family gatherings had lots of pasta, lots of really like large portion foods that were amazing. Right. Tons of spices, garlic, and everything. Absolutely, right. amazing. food is love. Food is love. Right. And still, even today, like last night, I was actually, I built a fire. It's a little chilly out. Made a big pot of risotto. Got that going. Whole apartment smelling the garlic, Italian uh -huh. rice going on. It was glorious. How do your neighbors feel about that garlic smell? Oh, they love when I cook. <laughs> they usually come knocking. Hey, you got some extra? Right, right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Hey, that's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, question. Your dad was Sicilian. Did he grow up in St. Louis? He did grow up in St. Louis. Okay. Yes. So like. He grew on the up, hill, is it hill? The hill, that's yeah. exactly it. Um, Did he know, like, that's where Joe Garagiola lived and a um, couple others. Same block area. Yogi yeah, Berra, too, absolutely. right? Absolutely. So my parents, uh, once they got together and were married, uh, they actually moved to a house on the hill that was provided by one of our other family mm -hmm. members. And that was their first house that they okay. had. So they were living on the hill and ended up moving out to a part of town called South County in St. Louis down the road. And that's where they, they first had my brother, and then they had me, and then we ended up moving out to the West County area in St. Louis. 
office after okay. that. And what about mom's background? Yeah, mom's side of the family, it's more of a German heritage, okay. which that's something that's a little bit more interesting as we go. Um, so the last name, um, mom's maiden name is Merkel. And it's it's been interesting over the last like 10 or 15 years that we've gone back and looked at photos. Mm-hmm. You know, grandparents on both sides are deceased at this time. But when you look at my my mom's father, my, right. my grandfather, Merkel, he, ha- he has a, a very interesting resemblance to current Chancellor Angela Merkel in Germany. Right. It's actually frightening how much they look alike. She, she looks like him with a wig? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. When, and he was like me, you know, goes yeah. with no hair. Um, but it was interesting just when we started making the correlation. We were watching TV one day and we're mm-hmm. like, well, that's just eerie. So I haven't done the deep dive, you know, down the down the genetics. But yeah. the last name's the same. The appearance is the same. Kind of makes you wonder if yeah. we have some sort of a family tree that branches, you yeah. know, the Kevin Bacon route over to uh, Angela Merkel in right. Germany. <laughs> right, right. Now, you know, a lot, not a lot of people want to be connected to a former German chancellor, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> but at least you got a, you got one that you don't have to worry about. I don't. Maybe think. that's my mental block of why I haven't actually <laughs> looked it up. <laughs> right, right. So what, when you were a kid, now um, you, you talked about being in your classroom and you were the runt in the classroom, yeah. right? Uh, and and you know you were also a little bit heavy, mm-hmm. as they used to say back in the day, probably husky. Yeah, right. And husky were the jeans I wore. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It was literally right. on the little back patch at the right. time. Right. And yeah, definitely. Growing up was uh, I was the short fat kid in the class, okay. uh, kindergarten through uh, third grade, and even you know after some things developed. And you had kind of mentioned in the introduction, you know, I, I ended up finding out in third grade that I, I had a hip disorder called mm-hmm. like Perthes, and with that I had two choices: it was either be bedridden with a brace for months on end to try and correct the situation. Or go through physical therapy and just stop all athletics. Mm. You know, at that point, I'm a huge sports junkie. So, again, go into that leg perthes a little bit more. What is it specifically? Yeah, it's a disorder of the hip. Okay. um, And it has to do with the blood flow that's going to the joints. Okay. And at that time, there really was not a lot that was known by the doctors about it. But they had it had been a well-known diagnosis that they had had with multiple other individuals and there at that time, you know, God, I guess that was 1992, 93. Okay. Uh, not a lot of, not a lot of cures, not a lot of remedies for it. Okay. Um, we weren't quite advanced at that point. I believe there's a lot more that they can do for that at this time. Okay. So anyway, that kind of prevented you from the sports thing and, yeah. uh, in the crosshairs of the bullies, any fisticuffs? No, no, I've never been the fighting type. Okay. Um, you know, I, I've gotten in a Joe's a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> that's why he likes working in his current field. That's that's a good way <laughs> to put it. Yeah, I've kind of avoided all of the physical altercations. You know, a couple of scrums here and there that have just kind of developed, but um, I, I never really wanted to get into that. You know, I got enough of the uh, physical aspect uh, through playing hockey, mm-hmm. um, playing the different sports that I had and, you know, even just going to the gym and working out, that was always a good release for me. Right. Whereas I, I really not never got into any of the, the physical altercations with other individuals. Okay. Now in my family, I'm the runt of my brothers. My mm-hmm. brothers are both six, four, six, five bean poles. And I'm, you know, I was never the runt in my class by any stretch, but I think that that kind of spot where you are that, 
that just makes you, especially in sports, play that much harder and rougher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, no, you're going down. No, absolutely. And, you know, that was one of the things once I finally got the clear, you know, the green light to start playing sports again after being down for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. I mean, literally it was at the point I couldn't even go to recess third grade through fifth grade. Um, they wouldn't allow me out because they knew I was <laughs> Joe just plays gonna, a little too aggressive. Well, I, I was just going to go out and start running and start getting at it because yeah. I was told I couldn't. So I went right. out and I did it. Right. Um, and I would literally have to sit in the classroom by myself during recess. You know, my teachers were cool about it mm-hmm. and just work on other stuff or go outside, sit on a bench and watch everybody else running around in elementary school, having all the fun. And, you know, that, that it was tough and it definitely didn't help with the weight situation at the right. time as right. well. Um, so, you know, eventually got the green light to get going with things. I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be able to play, let's do this and really start getting in hockey, uh, played some softball, tennis, uh, eventually got into golf down the road and, uh, just, just started playing every sport that I possibly could. I was by no means the best athlete in, in any regard. Well, well now wait a minute, because rumor is that you were pretty much a broom ball phenom, right? (laughs) That was back in grandpa Merple. Grandpa Merkel's basement. Okay. For sure. Yeah. We, I definitely, uh, tell people what broom ball is and yeah. So broom ball is basically, you have goals, almost like hockey, you have brooms instead of hockey sticks and you pick whatever ball you're going to use, um, as the entity that everybody's trying to get in the goal. And it's basically hockey with brooms, right? Usually with a little like blow up ball that doesn't hurt anybody. It's the safe version. And you typically play in a basement, mm-hmm. a basement or a facility that's warehouse like. Yeah. And so, yeah, lots of broom ball experience, which is what kind of led to the hockey. But it's interesting when you look at the correlation between broom ball and the evolution or evolution to what might now be curling. Right. Um, and that sport has somehow blown up with right. the Olympics as it's yeah. gone. <laughs> Back in the day when we were kids, we would everybody had a basement and growing up in Chicago, you know, mm-hmm. and usually you had these uh, poles in the middle of the floor. But other than that, they were concrete floors and we'd go down there and play floor hockey. And, mm-hmm. you know, inevitably somebody, you know, we're playing in our socks. Uh-huh. Somebody runs into that pole and bashes their toe or their head yep. or something. But, you know, it's just part of the game. Yeah. But at that time, you don't even look at that. Right. right? It's just fun. Ha ha. Hit yeah. the ball. Yeah. Oh, pole. Ha. <laughs> Next yeah. thing you know, somebody's crying. Yeah. 10 minutes later, you're fine. Right. And you go right back to it. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Pro, being a pro athlete, not in the cards for you, right? No, um, no definitely not. Um, and then you get to high school where you found your voice, you became king and, you know, who needs sports for winning a title? You want a title anyway. Uh, talk to me about that. Yeah. So entering high school, you know, I was still kind of battling with the the weight issue from the years of not being really athletically inclined or a bit able to be active in general. So entering high school, I, w- I was still the the short, chubby, fat kid. Um, I, I definitely was still trying to find my way and eventually started getting integrated with different groups. Um, freshman year was interesting. Getting to know high school, you know, my brother was there. He was only okay. two years ahead right. of me. So, you know, I looked to him for a lot of guidance. I always thought he was an awkward geek as I was growing up, but mm-hmm. I still looked to him for guidance. It's funny as I look back because we actually did a couple of videos together, like doing sports play by play, which was mm-hmm. a passion growing up. And we actually did one together, a, a fantasy play by play. I look at it now 
he was freaking hilarious. Yeah. I was the dry one and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> so it, it's funny in perspective in hindsight, how you kind yeah. of find some of those things. Well, out. You, well, you found the funny along the way, I think. I found a sense of humor eventually. Yeah. But uh, it, it definitely came with some learning curves along okay. the way. But yeah, freshman year, uh, we joined, I, I joined the show choir in high school. You know, I'd done it through junior high, but you know, it was just kind of a thing. Right. Well, the weird part was they are so, freshmen. So, yeah, go ahead. Hit the brakes here, Joe. The show choir. Yeah. Not something most kids who are into sports and love sports are going to aim at when they go to high school. Yeah. What drew you to that? So I was actually brought up um, going to church a lot, singing in the church choirs. And, you know, from the younger years, that's kind of where it started. I was in choir in elementary school. Once again, just something where I could, um, you know, have activity, mm-hmm. not necessarily in a physical aspect. But I, I found out I was, I was decent at it. And right. so when I couldn't do the sports, it was at least another talent that I could put to use. So I did it through junior high, I did show choir there. If you look back on those videos, it's laughable to watch me in a show choir in junior high. You know, I literally am the big kid on the stage that's moving awkwardly, step touching, quite humorous. But when we got to freshman year in high school, we actually had a pretty good group that mm-hmm. came in. So the varsity show choir actually invited us to come to the state competition freshman year. And it was the most interesting thing. We went out, performed. We were one of the first groups. Varsity went out and performed and they were great. And so then we're waiting for who's going to be in the finals. So all the freshmen, myself included, we had already changed our clothes out of our outfits. We're just sitting in the audience. We're like, all right, let's hope varsity gets to the finals. And uh, they get on stage and they're like, all right. The two final groups going to the finals are going to be blah, blah, blah. Another high school from another Mm -hmm. part of the state. We're like, all right, whatever. All right, this is it. Second going into the finals is Parkway South. We're like, yeah. (laughs) Right. They pause. They go, oh, uh, there were two show choirs from Parkway South. The group in the finals are the freshmen. (laughs) And everyone's just like, wait, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> so uh, there was definitely that moment right. where ever like we as freshmen are freaking out. Yeah, the varsity crew is like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like disbelief. Yeah. Like you this, go senior. Yeah, <laughs> this this group of freshmen just beat you. You know, you've been doing this for three, four years, right. and then this crew that came straight out of junior high made it to the finals. And um, so anyway, went to the finals. We actually won. We took first place freshman year, our first competition, but the committee, it later came out, refused to give the big cup, which was the cumulative score mm-hmm. uh, to a group of freshmen. So they gave it to another high school. Okay. So you guys win this trophy. Did you like have a solo or anything? Uh, not on that one. No. Okay. No. Uh, well, now I got to ask, how about a few bars of Bohemian Rhapsody or something like you make <laughs> me feel like dancing? Yo, you make me feel like dancing. Oh man! Well, see that solo wasn't until college. Okay. When I when I had that one, we we can get to that here in a little while, and I'll try and bypass so I don't have to sing. For Come you. on, Joe, keep it up. <laughs> I don't even think I can hit those notes anymore. <laughs> it was something like, "You got a cute way of talking. <laughs> you got the better of me," and that's nice. about as as much as I'm gonna get on that one. Nice. But yeah, that, that was later down the road. You know, multiple solos throughout the way. Uh, definitely had my moments as well that were very humbling on stage. 
uh, where I have blacked out on what the next line was yeah. and had to make up words to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, high school, just kind of getting back on track with that high school, you know, um, freshman year was great. That happened. And, you know, a little recognition for us along mm-hmm. the way. And then I'm starting to come into my own. I'm finally hitting my growth spurt. I finally learned what working out was. Right. Uh, finally start converting from, you know, the little plump kid into more of a, we'll call it a standard regular kid. Right. Um, and then, you know, sophomore year happened. I started working out at the carnival at Six Flags. Um, started to make a new crew of friends out there as mm-hmm. well and start to learn what the real world was really about. Um, you know, my family upbringing was great, but it also was, you know, very much like make sure that I stay on the right path. Well, then I started seeing the real world out at Six Flags, but made a lot of great friends. I mm-hmm. uh, got some great experience, really learned more about customer service, about safety, about, you know, operating a business right. model. Uh, and while working at Six Flags was also still doing the high school gig. So right. that was a seasonal position, summer job right. for the most part. So that high school thing. Homecoming King. Homecoming King. Talk to me about that. So it was interesting just kind of evolving through high school, you know, coming into my own, learning more about the world, more about relationship building, talking with people, becoming more involved. I was part part of a number of clubs, uh, different dynamics. I was part of, I guess you can call it the spirit squad Mm -hmm. that also was known as the Minutemen. Uh, We, our, our high school mascot was the Patriot. And we would go around to the different sporting groups and support them, you know, kind of being the the guys cheer section. You know, you had the cheerleaders, which was predominantly female at the time. So we were the guys in the stands that were just hooting and hollering, bringing air horns, you know, supporting all the different teams throughout high school. So, you know, we were seen as that presence. Senior year, I was the school mascot. I was the actual Patriot guy. Um, (laughs) The best... The best moment that happened that year as the mascot was we actually staged a fight between me and a, another mascot at okay. a rival school. Who was so, the other mascot? Uh, it was the Rockwood Summit Falcon. And uh, I happened to know one of the cheerleaders at the school. And so I was like, hey, introduce. And before the, we all got dressed for the game, he introduced. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, you want to do a little, uh, little staged scrum? Yeah. And we were really the only ones that knew about it. So I walked around the track midway through the third quarter and we got into a little scrum and with my little American flag, I <laughs> lopped his head off. <laughs> it was great. All these yeah. administrators start coming, running out as they're running out towards us. We do a quick high five hug and like put our hands up yeah, and yeah. they realized it was all staged, got in a little trouble for that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the highlight of the, the mascot gig in high school. But yeah, eventually, uh, you know, homecoming happened that first part of the year. Um, whether it was a farce or whether I had just gained the respect of everybody yeah. that was there. So it's not um, something you campaigned for. No, yeah. no. I, I had a couple people ask me, they're like, what would you think if, if you won homecoming game? I was like, that'd be cool. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, ended up getting the crown. It was, it was pretty cool and very unexpected. I did not think I was going to win. Yeah. They, it was one of those moments, like they put all the court on stage and they say your name and it's like, Really? Yeah. That just happened? It's good to be the king. Yeah. <laughs> and so I actually, I'm in a fantasy football league with guys from high school, and that's still my nickname in the in the uh, league is King Joe. Yeah. And so that that's kind of where that derived from. So yeah, went through the rest of high school, uh, kept getting involved with other groups, still working at Six Flags, and then uh, that 
kind of takes us to college okay. at that well, point. Before we go there, let's take a break here. Sure. Uh, do a little business. For over 40 years, Oregon Hot Tub has been serving up the bubbles for customers in Southern Washington and Oregon with a dedication to always keeping customer care and service as their primary focus. I mean, you don't get ranked as the number one or two retailer in the United States for more than 20 years running if you don't, right, Joe? That's correct. Well, folks, Oregon Hot Tub is Oregon's largest retailer for hot tubs, swim spas, saunas, and grills, and their service division, All Spa, is Oregon's largest service provider for cleaning and repair services for hot tubs, swim spas, and pools. Oregon Hot Tub's products will deliver the health and wellness for you right in your home or back patio or living space. And when you sink into those healing waters, You'll experience pain management, circulation, and physical therapy, as well as leisure and relaxation like never before. So, if you're ready to take the plunge, visit them online at OregonHotTub.com to schedule a presentation. Or if you already have a tub or swim spa and need service, you can go to AllSpa.com to connect with the area's premier hot tub team. And hey, if you're looking for a new career, Oregon Hot Tub is growing, adding new locations and vehicles to their service fleet. So if you're interested in bubbling up a great new gig, go to OregonHotTub.com or AllSpa.com and click on the career link in the header of either site. How'd I do? That was good. All right. Let's get back to your story, Joe. Yeah. So you're in college now and you became a mule, right? Yeah. I, I was a little bit of a jackass, to say okay. the least. Okay. Uh, Where'd you go? What, you, what was your major in? University of Central Missouri. My initial... Uh, major going into college was mass communications with a minor in public relations. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of chasing the sports broadcasting dream that I had mentioned earlier. Um, you know, I went to school, I had set up with my core classes and, you know, the first mass comm class introduction to mass comm that I took mm -hmm. just completely got me uninterested in every way in wanting to follow that dream. It was just, the class was boring. It talked about different aspects of broadcasts. And I was like, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, at the same time, I was taking some interpersonal communication classes that actually got me engaged and intrigued. So uh, midway through freshman year, I switched my major from mass comm over to organizational communications. Okay. Good news being most of the curriculum was overlapping. So I really didn't lose any momentum towards obtaining my degree, uh, eventually graduating with a bachelor of science in organizational communications and okay. a uh, minor in public relations. Nice. And so uh, you graduate. You were still doing the Six Flags thing. Yep. Right? And then, yeah. then you landed with American Eagle Outfitters. Yeah. What was that all about? So uh, it was my last semester in college. And I was actually doing an internship at Six Flags to fulfill the internship credit. Um, so my last semester, I was actually living at home. I was not on campus. Uh, I had a structured internship that I had made, basically an easy A, uh, with Six Flags. And it okay. was 20 to 30 hours a week, which took us into the winter months. Well, at that point, Six Flags at the time closed down for the winter uh, because it's in the Midwest. You get snow, you get ice. Not really the best thing for roller coasters that are going on. Mm -hmm. You know, Since that time, they now do a winter presentation, which is geared towards having year-round services. Um, however, I needed a winter job. So I went and went through the mall. And I saw a hot manager that was inside of American Eagle. And so I walked up to her. I'm like, hey, are you guys hiring? She's yeah. like, yeah, we are. Cool. Um, filled out the application. They called me in, went through the interview. They're like, oh, you're a supervisor at Six Flags. How long have you been there? Uh, you know, Six, seven years, something like that. You know, Started when I was 16, still working there now seasonally. Right. You know, they don't have work over the winter, so I'm looking to 
get some hours, I pretty much am going to have open availability here in a couple weeks. Okay, great. So they hired me. I went through orientation. My first day on the sales floor was Black Friday. Okay. Did not know what I was getting myself into. To what, be, did you have to start at midnight? Uh, I don't even remember what my shift was. Yeah. But I know that they they had me do virtual training prior to that. I, at that time, didn't even have a clue that there was a thing called Black Friday mm-hmm. because I was not into fashion. I was not a shopping guru. Like I went in with my employee discount on day one and had to buy like three or four things just so I had the gear right. to actually wear. And so I did not know what to expect with right. that. And next thing you know, they throw me in the fitting rooms. They're like, all right, we'll just start putting all the stuff away as it piles up. Okay. Next thing you know, there's a mountain <laughs> of clothing. I'm like, oh, what have I gotten into? Yeah. And so I was just like, all right, well, let's just make this systematic. What did I learn at Six Flags that's going to help me? Take the pile, put it somewhere else, figure it out, get it, get the chaos away from where the chaos already is. And so anyway, I got through that day exhausted and kind of things calmed down from there. And so I kept working throughout the winter time. Uh, they let go all their seasonal hires and they were like, hey, you want to stay on? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've really shown us something here that, uh, you know, we'd like to keep you on. I said, well, I'm going back to Six Flags starting in February. Um, so I'm only going to have part-time availability. They're like, okay, uh, we can work with that. So right. they put me on a part-time schedule. And a few months later, they, you know, right before graduation, um, they they were like, hey, you know, we have a management position available. Are you interested? I was like, well, didn't really think about that. I really don't know what's next for me in general. So let's talk. Right. Bada bing, bada boom. Next thing you know, they're offering me a position, a salary benefits, 401k. And I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. Didn't really know where I was going to go out of college. Let's try this out. Right. At worst case, this is something to hold me over until, you know, I, I find where I'm actually going to go. Okay. Well, that ended up being a seven-year venture okay. um, <laughs> with them. So I, I jumped in, assistant manager, moved to a store, moved to a store, moved to a store, uh, moved to another store. In the middle of that, while kind of moving up as an assistant manager, I, I kind of got the broadcast bug that came back Right. To me. So, yeah. So then it's like you got that thing in your head that says you're going to be the next voice of Cardinals baseball. Cardinals so, baseball, St. So, Louis Blues so, hockey. So, like where, that was so you're, you're going to pursue that dream. Where do you start? At the bottom, at ESPN. ESPN Radio. Right. Well, and there was one step before that. So, there was a place called the Broadcast Center that okay. was in St. Louis, and they'd been doing a huge advertising campaign. Hey, interested in getting into broadcasting? One year curriculum, uh, what and job placement security upon completion. And it was it almost made it sound like a guarantee. Well, they sold me, and so I went to my boss and said, "Listen, this was my dream. This is where I really wanted to go. I want to take another stab at it." So I got approved for it, and uh, I knew it was going to be a th- you know. 20 to 30 hours a week going to school. So um, good news is it was flexible. I could work around the hours as long as I came in and did mm-hmm. the coursework and the evaluation. Uh, got it scheduled. So I'm doing a 30, 20, 30 hour a week coursework while still working 40, 45 hours a week as a retail manager. Uh, good news is it was all on the south side of town. So it kind of mm-hmm. worked out for that. Well, as I'm going through the broadcast center, you know, I'm kind of getting some praise. They're like, you know, we think you have a talent here. Uh, we have an internship opportunity we'd like to present to you. Okay. It's like, okay, great. Uh, and this is where we get into ESPN. So ESPN radio at the time was brand new to St. Louis. Okay. They had just recruited uh, a number of local talent that had been displaced to come over and do the radio broadcast locally while still having 
the national mothership telecast going as well. So I got an internship um, in the afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. Okay. with Malcolm Briggs and Howard Balzer. Uh, Malcolm was very well known in the St. Louis market, great guy, uh, originally had been at the NBC station, and Howard Balzer went on to actually do a lot more national work with ESPN as a local St. Louis contact. Okay. So, oh, go ahead. So, no, go ahead. Um, well, in this internship, I was the grunt. I was the guy that was you know going to get coffee for people. I was answering phone calls. I was lining up the calls. But this is where I got to meet two pretty amazing people. Uh, one of them, Benjamin Boyd. Benjamin Boyd was the soundboard operator and engineer that was working for the show at ESPN Radio at the time. And the other person was Thomas Patrick Casey, TPC, another sports personality. So I really didn't have much exposure with the two top guys, Mm -hmm. but I had a lot of exposure with Tom and with Ben on the back end. And I bring this up as uh, Benjamin Boyd just recently, uh, newer news, was promoted to be the engineer now for the St. Louis Cardinals broadcast there you go um, I, the dream might still live on it's amazing got it in. he's a great guy kept in contact with him for years and just so happy for him and then the other uh, gentleman thomas patrick casey still working in the market great guy he was the one that actually gave me a nickname along the way another okay. nickname so we already have king joe going on and uh so we started talking about drinks that we like and right. it came up on a couple of the telecast or a couple of the broadcasts that were going on uh, as it was radio and um and we started talking about how we had a both had a like for tequila. So Uh-oh. next thing you know, I'm Tequila Joe. And Tequila Joe was a person that was referenced in a few of the uh, traffic reports, a few of the updates, as well as online on some social media posts. Got, got experience with that worm? Oh, not the worm. No. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Stay away from that. No, for me, if I got it. <laughs> Never ends well. No, if I got a tequila and a beer, I'm I'm good to go, as my friends here can attest to. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. I'm in a good place there. So that was a three-month internship. I did that. So went back to Broadcast Center, uh, kept in contact with the guys, and every once in a while popped in, said hi. So then Broadcast Center's like, all right, hey, you're getting close to being done. Here's the deal. We just got this other opportunity that came up. Okay. And that is? And it was to work as an intern, but it was another six months at the NBC affiliate in St. Louis at KSDK. Okay. So ironically, during my senior year of high school, I did a senior project as I was looking at being a sports broadcaster. And I spent a week with the sports team then. Um, Sorry to backtrack, but uh, back in 1998, I was actually on the field for opening day for the year that McGuire hit 70. Nice. And I was live in the stadium the first three games to watch the first three go out. So random side note, claim to fame there. Well, I took the opportunity. Um, This meant not only was I doing the full-time job at American Eagle, not only was I doing the 20 to 30 hours a week at curriculum, I was now adding another 20 hours a week as an intern at the Channel 5 affiliate. So you don't want to stretch yourself too thin. No. No, who needs a social (laughs) life at that point? Right. So I was doing the internship with Frank Cusimano, okay. uh, who's now the sports director at the KSDK affiliate, and Renny Knott. Uh, Renny Knott, who is now the morning anchor for the morning show at the KSDK affiliate. Okay. And St. so Cusimano, yeah. he gave you some brilliant career advice, didn't he? Cusimano gave me a lot of amazing advice, but it was Renny Knott who actually Renny gave Knott. me the, uh, the words of wisdom that- His last name says it all. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah, he's the one that uh, we had a conversation one day. So as I'm observing the industry and I'm seeing a lot of things happening, I'm seeing a lot of red flags come up. You know, I'm seeing and hearing a lot of, you know, just within the industry of a lot of people trying to undercut each other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know if this is for me. You know, I'm, I'm doing all of the sports updates that go along the bottom of the screen. You know, I've already done a demo tape on their set. And so I'm sitting there one day and I'm doing all the updates and I'm talking to Rennie and Rennie gets a phone call and you can hear he's like trying to like tone it down on the phone and he gets off the line and I was like, that didn't sound good. Yeah. And he turns around and he goes, kid, let me give you some advice. You don't want to do this job. He goes, here's my words of advice. Sell shoes. Everybody always needs shoes. They don't always need a sports broadcaster. But they always need shoes. Right. And so we had a good laugh so, about <laughs> that. But I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Never heard that perspective from somebody. Yeah. So right then you see that dream kind of getting lit on fire. I'm, I was already questioning it. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of like my, okay, how much work do I really want to put into this at this point in my life? You know, I'm in mid twenties at this point. Right. I was their older intern that they had had before, which they appreciated because we could actually go out for beers after, you know, being at the office, which at that point it's like 10 o'clock at night after I'd already worked since 8am. So that was always a good time. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the internship ended. I finished off my graduation at Broadcast Center. I sent out a few demo tapes. And at that point, I called it a day. Right. I was like, you know what? I'm done. Right. Um, so, so I went back to American Eagle. Back to the business of panting the American citizens. That's it. Next thing you know, store manager. Um, moved to a couple of different locations throughout the area. Ended up at the higher volume store within St. Louis Market actually won an award for uh, being the Western United States store manager of the year. There you go. Uh, I don't, can't even tell you what year that was, but that, that happened. That plaque in your house still? Actually, I have it. It's a little mantelpiece and I have it here at my apartment. I absolutely still have that. So it's, you're not like me where you get those things and I just give them to my mom. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. it wasn't a box for quite a while with yeah. all of my travels, yeah. but um, ended up transitioning over to Levi's, uh, Levi's jeans. Uh, They had an opening in the market. They had one store and they were looking to grow and expand their portfolio as far as stores that they were opening. So made a move over to uh, Levi's, took over a store that had been underperforming for years in the market and was able to turn it profitable. Okay. And really worked with that crew to learn the culture, to learn what Levi's was all about and uh, started doing some work with them. So that's what kind of brought you out to Oregon in 2013, right? Yeah. So my district manager who I had been working for in St. Louis, he was actually re uh, relocated as far as his territory. He originally had been Denver through Missouri, and now he was reallocated to Denver through the Northwest, which was a little bit of a better geographical fit. Okay. Well, when he moved, I received another district manager, uh, a couple uh, new ones actually, who are all great leaders. Well, I I got an email one day. Hey, have you thought about moving out West? I said, you already know the answer to that question. I've talked about moving out West for a couple of years now. Right. And he was like, yeah, I know. I just want to make sure. He was like, well, I have an opening. It's another underperforming location, but three times the volume that you're currently at. So bigger exposure, better job opportunity. uh, This is what it is. And it was in Woodburn, Oregon. Okay. So have you ever watched Cheers? 
the yeah. 80s sitcom. Absolutely. Um, when when we were talking about your story, I, I was thinking about that. It's like, you know, and I, I always thought everybody needs a place where they can be norm. Yeah. When you walk in the door, everybody yells, Norm or Joe yep. or Tequila Joe or whatever <laughs> it might be. But you found that place when you came out here, uh, a place called Wankers. And while you're there, first kind of maybe first night in Oregon or first yeah. couple of nights in Oregon, you don't know anybody, you're sitting around, somebody burps and what happens? Yeah. So eventually the, the transition happens. I'm moving out to Oregon. Uh, they brought me out for a visit. I loved it. Um, they talked through the relocation and I drove three to four days out to Oregon. I had already solidified an apartment. So I brought my car out while the moving trucks were getting everything else. Last leg of the day was 13 hours of driving. I get in, I guess it was like seven o'clock because I started early. Mm-hmm. Drop my stuff at the apartment and Google bars in the area in Wilsonville, Oregon, because that's where I decided I was going to live. It was close to Woodburn. You know, if I'm going to work there, right. might as well live close to it. It was the last suburb before you hit the rural grounds at that point. Dropped my stuff, Googled restaurants, and I saw something called Wankers, mm-hmm. Corner Bar and Saloon. I said, huh, that sounds interesting. I'm going to go check that out. <laughs> Why, why does that sound interesting to you? I, I think just the name <laughs> itself speaks for it. Okay. Um, so, you know, it was like a mile and a half away. I was like, great. So I walk in. It's a weekday. Bar's empty. There's a few people here, a few people there. So I walk up to the bar and Emily, who still works there today, amazing person. Um, she happened to be the bartender that night. Okay. I walk up. She's like, hey, how are you? I said, I'm a little tired. Been driving. Just moved here. And she's like, oh, well, Welcome. And I was like, can I get a Bud Light? And she just kind of stared at me. Mm-hmm. I looked around. The two guys at the right side of the bar kind of were giving me a funny look. I looked to my left. There's a guy and a girl just kind of chilling and not even listening. I was like, do you guys have Bud Light? And she's like, you're not from around here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, St. Louis. They're like, oh, yeah, you're going to have to start drinking IPAs. That's the yeah. thing around here. I was yeah. like, okay, well, we'll get there. So all of a sudden I'm sitting there. I finally get my Bud Light. I'm like, all right, decompress. And then the burp happened. Mm -hmm. And I hear this burp to my left. Well, I mentioned a minute ago, there was a guy and girl just kind of minding their own business. Uh, It was Alyssa and Isaiah. And they were sitting to my left and I hear this loud belch. And I look over. I was like, that's sexy. And so (laughs) Alyssa looks back over, starts laughing. She's like, oh, sorry. ha." Um, and next thing you know, we strike up a conversation. They're like, oh, where are you from? Do right. you know me? They're like, oh, my name's Alyssa. This is my best friend, Isaiah. Start talking. And from there, an amazing friendship begins, all from a burp. Uh, Alyssa, my best friend here in the Portland, Oregon market, amazing yeah. person. Shout out to Alyssa. If if Joe's ever brings her around and you get to meet her, ask her to drop one of those burps. There you go. <laughs> she'll She'll gladly partake. <laughs> So uh, ended up building an amazing friendship with Alyssa. She introduced me to a ton of people here locally, uh, created the friends networks down at Wankers. And to your point, yeah, it was a, that was my, my place to go to relax after work, got to know the entire staff, most of the regulars that were there. I sat on the loser's corner Mm -hmm. and uh, all was amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm working with the store. We go through a remodel. The store is doing amazing. It's doing more volume than it ever has. It's finally hitting where they want the volume to go. So 
I start looking for what's next for me. Right. You know, and I'd already been dabbling in some area management during leaves of our district manager. Mm -hmm. So I would take over the market or the district while they were away and, you know, just oversee business, what was going on, conduct conference calls, do some store visits and some evaluations. Mm -hmm. But there were no openings available at the time. While while Levi's was growing, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to move into a multi-store role at that time. So I just started putting feelers out. Right. Well, one of those feelers was Oregon Hot Tub. Okay. And so I answered the ad and I really didn't know what to expect. I was just like, yeah, okay. It looks like it might be something. Ended up having a phone conversation with the general manager, Steve. Uh, we ended up meeting up at the Wilsonville showroom, had a conversation. I was like, you know, I, I don't want to waste any of our time. I'm really looking for something where I'm overseeing multiple locations. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, I got five of them uh, and this position would be overseeing all of them. Okay. Okay. That's something. Conversations grew. I ended up taking a, a trip to Las Vegas with uh, with Levi's and really thought about it. And I was like, okay, it's time. Yeah. And so came back, made the transition, joined Oregon Hot Tub in April of 2016. So start doing some good things with them. We started getting a little bit of structure with the retail showrooms. My main focus was getting the showrooms back into Retail 101, which is why I was brought on. I had all the retail common sense that they were looking to have be put into place into the stores. While I was with Oregon Hot Tub, though, the first time, I then get a call randomly from a buddy that was in New York. Hey, Joe, so what do you think about running 14 stores out of Chicago? I was like, well, you know, I got this Oregon Hot Tub deal. It's Mm -hmm. going really good. But I said, but I'll listen. I mean, that's kind of where I was trying to go. Right. Okay, well, I'll set you up with phone conversation. One thing leads to another Next thing you know, I'm getting an offer to run 14 stores for PacSun out of Chicago. Uh, they want to move me there. They want right. me to take over their outlet division for the northern uh, Midwest, which six states, 14 stores. And I, I, I can't pass up the offer. So unfortunately, I put in my notice for Oregon Hot Tub and I moved to Chicago. Right. Now, that ended up being an interesting endeavor. So I'm traveling. I'm going all, all over these stores, working with the people, right. filling in roles. And then they do a company restructuring seven months later. So the sun's going to set on PacSun. Very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. So after nine months with Oregon Hot Tub, I see this great opportunity. I'm like, this is this is my springboard. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And seven months later, hey, we're doing a company realignment and the entire outlet leadership division is being eliminated. I was the outlet district manager. I was eliminated. Okay. Awesome. So I'm in Chicago. I was just moved there. Mm-hmm. I'm just starting to make my circle of friends, mainly through playing sand volleyball, through that circuit, a lot of great people there. And so I have some time. Right. And uh, so I start putting out my feelers again, networking. And uh, a good friend of mine comes or reached out to me. Hey, I'm opening a new store in St. Louis. Do you want to move back to St. Louis and open this new flagship location? I said, okay, I'll do it. So I ended up joining American Signature and Value City Furniture open up a location after training a couple of months in Chicago. Uh, they, I moved back to St. Louis, opened up a flagship mm-hmm. store, got that up and running, moved over to another location. But uh, yeah, furniture, not my jam. Yeah. Wasn't feeling it. Yeah. So I, I made the decision, like, it's not for me. Um, moving on from there, you know, I the timing was actually really well because as mentioned earlier, you know, avid St. Louis Blue, St. Louis Cardinals right. fan. About the time that stopped, the St. Louis Blues were in their Stanley Cup run, right. had never run this, won the Stanley Cup before. So I actually was able, I took on a part-time position at Six Flags again, uh, kind of going back to my roots, doing some human resources, getting my mm-hmm. you know, 
my knives resharpened in that skill set. Right. But I got to enjoy the entire Stanley Cup run, right. which was something I, I will never forget. Uh, amazing times yeah. there. So, well, Joe, I got bad news for you. I'm a Chicago Blackhawks fan. Oh, so you really loved that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, was... it didn't. It didn't. Wasn't so bad because I had three recent cups. Didn't to you lean have three in five years or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You had a good run. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> so, bad. Yeah. So that summer, um, um, Mrs. Burp Alyssa uh, actually was getting married, and yeah. uh, so I flew out to Oregon the summer. She wanted of... to go back to where everybody knew your name. There you go. Flew back, flew out to Oregon for her wedding, mm -hmm. and uh, at the time, I reached out Mrs. to a couple Burp of people. Alyssa. Yeah. <laughs> We, uh, she's gonna I, love you when she <laughs> oh yeah she'll she'll adore me after that yeah actually you know that should be like her new nickname at the bars just burp Alyssa. <laughs> not Alyssa. there's a lot of individuals <laughs> regulars there that would not be surprised with that. <laughs> um, so you come back for her wedding man i'm gonna get slapped over that <laughs> i can already see it yeah i come out for a wedding and i i had reached out to a few other people because i came out for 10 days just as a vacation reset mm -hmm. you know i'm in transition for my career at that point and I happened to meet up with Steve from Oregon Hot Tub again. We went and mm -hmm. had lunch. He talks about where the company's been, where it's going, kind of talk about, you know, when I left, you know, kind of where we've gone from there. And right. he said, well, have you thought about moving out West? And, you know, I, I shared with him, I said, my friends in St. Louis had pretty much all been telling me they felt like I was happier when I was out West mm -hmm. than where I was now back in the Midwest. Right. And I had said, yeah, I've been considering and actually looking at positions out here said, well, let me go talk to the owner. Let, let's see what we can do. Um, a couple weeks later, get a phone call after the wedding has happened. And come back to St. Louis. Hey, the owner wants to have a conversation with you. We have a conversation. They create a position and I'm coming back to Oregon. Right. So they created a business development manager position uh, for me for Oregon Hot Tub. Uh, brought me back. I moved to Beaverton as opposed to where I was living in Wilsonville. So living in this market, hadn't really immersed myself here before. Mm -hmm. uh, but that kind of brings us to today. So I've right. been back with Oregon Hot Tips in all, since August of 2019 and more of a behind the scenes corporate operational gotcha. role. Uh, definitely a lot of things that I do with the company now and uh, that I had, I cool. wasn't. So Joe before. lived happily ever after. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe, talk to me and let the folks who are listening know about Oregon Hot Tub. What do you offer your customers? How do people schedule a demo or a presentation for a hot tub? Absolutely. Um, if they got a hot tub and it's clogged up yeah. <laughs> with unseemly <laughs> things, how do they get things that happen, cleaned up? Man. We, <laughs> we always talk about in our industry that you can't make this stuff up. And the stories that we see in here are just beyond. And I'm not going to go into those. Yeah. I'm sure you can use your imagination <laughs> and figure out what those are. But as far as Oregon Hot Tub, what we really offer is health and wellness and relaxation and leisure. Okay. Um, you know, we have your stereotypical hot tubs from Hot Tub Time Machine where you can get all the bells and whistles and you can have your party tub. Mm -hmm. But our main area of focus is really health and wellness, physical therapy, circulation right. therapy, pain management. And that's the main demographic that customers come to us for okay. to find relief. You know, when the pandemic started, individuals couldn't go to their massage therapist. They couldn't go to their chiropractor. They couldn't even get in to see their PCP mm -hmm. when something went wrong. So they started investing in their at-home experience for pain management, muscle therapy, circulation therapy. Okay. And that's where we come in. And so we're able to provide that service for our customers. Um, 
If somebody is interested in one of our products, we have five local area showrooms, about to be six. Can't share the location, but there is another one coming. Okay. And uh, we are here seven days a week for you to come in and check out our product assortment. You can call the stores. You can set up appointments. You can go online and fill out a form, and we will reach out to you at at OregonHotTub.com. Right. And so there's many different ways you can reach out to us. Uh, We're on social media. If you join and follow any of our social media accounts, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you will see our product lines and offerings that are going out. Our marketing team's amazing at what they do, really being able to get the word out. But yeah, if you are even interested in just learning about the product, mm-hmm. you're maybe you're an immediate buyer, maybe you're a, a you know, six-month buyer, or maybe you're a five-year buyer, come into our showroom and talk with right. our team members. They're here to support you through the entire process from even having that impulse of interest to the day that it drops in your backyard and beyond, which brings us to All Spa. Right. All Spa is the service department for Oregon Hot Tub, and it's one of the things we pride ourselves on is there's a lot of companies, and you might see commercials on TV, spa, 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 <laughs> that come out and, hey, we're going to be at the Expo Center. We have all these tubs. Right. They're discounted. It's great. And they are tubs, and they are discounted. And if you buy that hot tub, it will work for a while. But when you need to get it fixed, when mm-hmm. you need help with it, they've left town. They're not here anymore. Right. When, mom, here. when mom and dad leave the teenagers at home to go for a week, weekend away, and they yeah. come home, and then there it is. Exactly. <laughs> so we're here to support you, not only from the time that you're interested to the time that you buy, mm-hmm. from the time you deliver, but we're also there to help you with whether it's cleaning services or fixing it services. Okay. We're here for the entire lifespan of your purchase of a hot tub, swim spa, sauna, or even now grills that we have brought back into our assortment. Okay. So, so that's where we set ourselves apart from some of our competitors. A number of our competitors also have service departments, but there's a number who do not. Right. And so we're able to really come out and take care of the customer base for the life cycle of their product purchase. So I got a question, and maybe this is just, I, I seem to recall pre-plague, I don't know if we were joking about it or whatever, but somebody <laughs> said, hey, can I come in and have a test run, sit Get in the hot tub. Now, yeah. I imagine with the plague, that all stopped. Yes um, and no. Um, but talk about that. Can yeah. somebody come in and put their swimsuit on and get in? And Absolutely. Uh, we do a wet test and we do sweat test. So wet test is going to be for our hot tubs <laughs> or our swim spas. I know it sounds okay. interesting. Okay. But for somebody who wants to test out a sauna, right? they can actually set up an appointment with one of our health and wellness experts. Okay. And they'll set up a time for them to have an appointment. It can be before or during or after hours, depending on what the customer's comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And we'll set up an appointment for you to be able to try out a hot tub. Now, keeping in mind, you cannot try out any single hot tub. We don't have every hot tub in our showrooms that are wet. But to try out the basic features, we keep one tub and one swim spa in each showroom wet so that you can experience the features uh, that are most, most asked about for demo. Right. We do have a different hot tub that is wet at each of the showrooms. So there's a chance that if you're looking for a jet setter, there might be a showroom that has a jet setter okay. wet. Now, that's a smaller hot tub. Typically, we don't do that wet. Typically, we do 
uh, the bigger ones, mm -hmm. just because it gives you more functionalities to be able to demo and to actually to be able to show Right, off. and to allay any fears, anytime you do a demo, it's drained and cleaned out. And Absolutely. <laughs> scrubbed Absolutely. Out. Our, our team members are performing I mean, water balancing, I mean, testing, it, and cleaning on a daily right. basis multiple times. Right. Okay. So if you're looking to buy or upgrade, it's OregonHotTubs.com. And after you've bought... OregonHotTub.com, no S. OregonHotTub.com. Yes. And once it's up and running, if it needs service or cleaning or repair, AllSpa.com. That's it. Okay. Joe, anything else you want to add about Oregon Hot Tub and All Spa? You know, I think we just kind of covered it, to be honest with you. You know, we, we've been here for a while. We're growing and we're expanding. We are looking for great talent to come join our team. Um, we're, we're definitely, you know, established in the marketplace and we're here for you. Got it. So, you know, come see what we have. All right. One last question. Okay. Your favorite place, Wankers. Yeah. Is not in Beaverton. It is not. Okay. So what's your favorite eatery in Beaverton and what's your favorite dish there and why? Ooh. So in Beaverton, I would say oh, Golden Valley is probably my go-to. Okay. And their fish and chips. Oh, just anytime I get a hankering for some fish and chips, go over to Golden Valley, get a Blondale, sit down, relax. It helps that it's right across the street from my office. So. You know, obviously it's convenient, mm -hmm. but yeah, I would say in Beaverton, that is my go-to. Golden Valley Brewery. You got it. All right, Joe. Well, I appreciate you taking out the uh, time from your schedule to sit down and talk to us and tell people your story. Um, that little snippet of you make me feel like dancing was spectacular. <laughs> um, I wish we would have had a couple of more bars of it, but what are you I can't do? hit the, that next note. <laughs> it's up there, man. All right. Um, so anyway, folks, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Meet me in Beaverton wherever you listen to podcasts and share with your family and friends. I welcome your feedback on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Meet Me in Beaverton and at LinkedIn at Drew Zagorski. That's me. I'm Drew Zagorski. He's Joe Toretta. Thanks for listening. Peace. Appearance on Meet Me in Beaverton does not constitute an endorsement of goods or services. Meet Me in Beaverton is produced by Left Brain Right Brain Marketing in partnership with the Beaverton Area Chamber of Commerce. You can find Left Brain Right Brain online at lbrbm.com and the Beaverton Area Chamber of Commerce is at beaverton.org.